Consider the following math symbols. Plus, minus, equals, less than, and greater than. One of these is not like the other, if you also think theologically. While under house arrest in Rome, the Apostle Paul responds to the news of false teachings about Jesus. In his prison epistle to the Colossians, he travels deep into the substance of the Christian faith to demonstrate that Jesus is greater than what the false teachers present, and then applies the reality of Christ to everyday life in the home, work, and relationships. Have you bought into a less than Jesus? Maybe it's time to recalculate your understanding of who Jesus is. The real Jesus minus false teaching plus the truth equals a greater than Jesus. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. Hello and welcome to this Monday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. My name is Brian. Thanks for stopping by. Well, some 2,000 years ago, false teaching had begun to creep its way into the church at Colossae. So the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the Colossians to debunk those heretical ideas. What were these false teachings? And how does Paul's letter apply to us today? Answers come your way next as Ron continues his teaching series, Route 66, the ultimate road trip through the Bible. Stay with us here or visit somethinggoodradio.org and listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, check out Something Good Television, Something Good Courses, Something Good Travel, and the new Something Good Digital Library. That's where you can search for biblical answers to your questions from nearly 30 years of Ron's Bible teaching ministry. With today's Something Good radio message, Colossians, Jesus is greater than. Here's Dr. Ron Jones. Well, today we hear a lot about fake news. <laughs> yeah, fake news. Um, what exactly is that? Of course, it depends on who you ask. Penn State University defines fake news as, uh, listen to this, sources that intentionally fabricate information, disseminate deceptive content, or grossly distort actual news reports, usually to advance a specific political perspective. That's a pretty good definition, regardless where you are in the political spectrum. That, that's as good as any definition of fake news. In the end, fake news erodes journalistic integrity. I think we're seeing that in our culture right now. It also undermines the important role that truth plays in a free society, and we need to be aware of that in our culture as well. However, a false Christ does more damage than fake news. Let me say that again, because that's fundamental to our study of the book of Colossians today. A false Christ is more damaging than fake news. A false Christ can lead people away from the truth faster than a CNN news cycle, and for a longer period of time, and with eternal consequences. Uh, regarding the last days, Jesus warned, see that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. He said that in Matthew 24. 
Now, prophetically, the last days began 2,000 years ago. Thus, it should not surprise us that false Christ, that is fake news about Jesus, and attacks upon the real Jesus crept into the early church, which is why the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church at Colossae. Paul didn't plant this church. Tradition says that one of his understudies named Epaphras was in Ephesus with Paul. And Epaphras probably planted the church in Colossae, there in the Lycus Valley. But when Paul heard that a heresy, some fake news about Jesus and the nature of Christ threatened this mostly Gentile congregation, well, Paul, who was in prison, this is one of his prison epistles, he, he wrote um, some of the most soaring Christology that you'll find in any of his New Testament letters. Christology is our theology of Jesus Christ. And while the fake news, uh, heresy, less than Jesus people were ripping up the church in Colossae with their, their fake news about Jesus, Paul soars rhetorically and soars theologically about Jesus Christ. It kind of reminds me of John in his gospel in John chapter 1 when John writes about the Logos. In the beginning was the Word, the Logos, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. John is soaring rhetorically. He's soaring theologically. He's painting a picture of the exalted Christ. And the danger in Colossae and the danger for us today is that we end up with kind of a blurred vision of a less than Jesus because of some fake news that some liberal hack or heretic was spreading then or is spreading now about Jesus Christ. You answer that kind of fake news with a letter like Paul wrote to the Colossians. For example, Paul speaks in Colossians of Jesus Christ as the image of the invisible God. He calls him the creator, the sustainer of all things. He says, this Jesus who is the Christ is the head of his body, the church, the fullness of God in bodily form, and the one who reconciles all things to himself in heaven and on earth. And I found that in just a few verses in chapter one where Paul's just getting warmed up. When William Barclay was studying the book of Colossians, he said, it is not until the church is confronted with some dangerous heresy that she begins to realize the riches of orthodoxy. That's right, when you start to hear some fake news about Jesus that produces a less than Jesus, that's when you, you, you begin to appreciate the depth of the greater than Jesus and the orthodoxy of the Christian faith. And there is a threat in every generation to move away from that clear Christological picture that we have of Jesus Christ coming from the pages of Scripture and especially from the book of Colossians. And so in Colossians, Paul travels deep into the substance of the Christian faith to demonstrate that Jesus is greater than what the false teachers were presenting. He does that in chapters 1 and 2, which is typical of Paul laying out his doctrine, his theology. He, he soars in chapters 1 and 2 to give us the clearest and most vivid picture of Jesus Christ, the greater than Jesus, not the less than Jesus. And then he applies the reality of Christ to everyday life in the home in um, the workplace and in our relationships. 
Good theology and, and good Christian orthodoxy always has an implication on how we live. It's not just for the head, it's also for the heart, it's for the hands and the feet as we put it into practice. So this stop on the ultimate road trip through the Bible presents us with some of the most vivid pictures of Jesus who is the Christ. It's only four chapters long. Let's work our way through each chapter. I, I give each chapter a theme, and chapter one's theme is just the ascendancy of Christ. Uh, Paul, again, soars and ascends and takes us higher and higher to loftier and loftier places in our understanding of who Jesus is. He begins, though, with thanksgiving. He begins with a prayer for the Colossians. He thanks God for the fruit of the gospel in them, namely uh, faith, hope, and love. If somebody were to look into your life as a follower of Jesus Christ, would they find more faith, more hope, more love today than uh, six months ago or maybe six years ago? Then Paul prays for them in a manner that models for us how Christians should pray for one another. Paul is the great intercessor, praying for those to whom he is writing. For example, in chapter 1 and verse 9, he says, From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. When was the last time you prayed for somebody like that? Or when was the last time somebody prayed for you like that? You say, oh, well, Pastor, I, I, I can't you know, find words like that. Use Paul's words. Every time you pray the word of God, you're praying in the will of God. So let Paul's words become your words on behalf of somebody else. Paul also reminds the Colossians that God delivered them from the domain of darkness and he placed them into the kingdom of his beloved son. This is just for verse 13, and you're beginning to sense how Paul begins to soar in his rhetoric and soar in his theology. Then we come to Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, and it contains some of the loftiest language about Jesus Christ found anywhere in the Bible. Uh, we read some of it earlier in the worship service, and... Uh, uh, boy, it's just, it, it's just layered and layered upon um, um, images and uh, thoughts and, and challenging ideas about who this Jesus really is. Paul puts to rest in this section uh, any notion that Jesus was less than who he claimed to be. Counteracting this less than heresy that was ripping through the Colossian church, we get the notion that Jesus is supreme. He is greater than anything we can imagine him to be. He is greater than what people often say of him today. Oh, he was a good teacher. He was a great moral leader. Hogwash, that's less than Jesus. That's, that's Jesus on the lower shelf. It doesn't even come close to the soaring way that Paul speaks of Jesus as the image of the invisible God and so forth. He's certainly greater than what the false teachers in Colossae said he was, the fake news that they were spreading about him. Up next, the second half of today's message, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than, with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And if you're listening to Something Good Radio for the first time, we'd like to send you a free chapter of Ron's most popular book, Mysteries of the Afterlife. 
It's our way of saying thanks for being part of our radio listening family. Stop by our new and improved website, that's somethinggoodradio.org, and click the I'm New icon that's right at the top of the homepage. Again, that's somethinggoodradio.org. Oh, and while you're there, share your prayer request with us by using the Explore feature right at the top of the homepage. That's where you'll find the How Can We Pray For You option. Our ministry team will be happy to join you in prayer, so contact us anytime. There are people in the world who don't like the truth about Jesus, so they make up a new one. That's what the Gnostics were doing in the days of the Apostle Paul, and that's what many are still doing today. Here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good radio message, Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than. 2,000 years ago, the Gnostics taught that Jesus, well, he was a derivation of God, but not actually God himself. They compared him to the rays of the sun. In that way, Gnostic Jesus emanated from the supreme God, but just as a ray of sunshine was not the sun itself, so Gnostic Jesus was not actually God. Boy, that's a, that's a, that's a clever way of repackaging Jesus, the Gnostic Jesus of 2,000 years ago. And some believe that Gnosticism was what was creeping into the church in Colossae. Well, the Gnostic Jesus has a lot in common with today's New Age Christ. You ever heard New Age philosophy? New Age Jesus is nothing more than a guru who achieved a higher spirituality than the rest of us. And New Age philosophy borrows the language of Orthodox Christianity and preys upon those who who are just kind of vaguely affiliated with it. They've heard this before, oh, but they subtly redefine it in ways that people who are not all that acquainted with it uh, don't understand. And they end up with a a large pile of philosophical gobbledygook, and Paul crushes, he crushes this less than nonsense about Jesus put forth by the Gnostics 2,000 years ago, and I would say, you know, put forth by today's Gnostics in uh, in the New Age camp. And once Paul establishes who Jesus is, then he pivots to who believers are in Christ. Remember that phrase, in Christ, is is good Pauline language throughout all his New Testament epistles. It's important for us to understand who we are in Christ. Get a picture of who Christ is, who he really is, not the less than Jesus, but the greater than Jesus. And then understand who you are in Christ. Paul begins by helping us understand in verse 21 who we were apart from Christ. He says you were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. And then he pivots and says, however, we are now in Christ. And he uses words like reconciled, holy and blameless, and above reproach. Oh, child of God, understand who you are in Christ. And the clearer picture you have of this Jesus coming from the pages of Holy Scripture, the more amazed you will be as to who you are in Christ. Paul sets this up um, in chapter 1 and then comes to this uh, discussion of what he calls the mystery of Christ 
in you, beginning in verse 24, which he applies to the way we suffer and the way we serve. It has implications on that. But this divine mystery, he says, is about several things. The permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the fulfillment of God's promise to restore all things. It also includes our future resurrection, our eternal inheritance in Christ, and the wisdom of Christ. I mean, can you understand just how high and lofty Paul is soaring, helping us understand who Christ is, who we are in Christ, and what is the mystery of Christ in you? Don't ever let the New Agers redefine that. Call it something other than what it really is. Know the Scriptures well, and know the terminology well, and be able to define it biblically. Paul says, Christ is the one we proclaim. Why? So that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Let me ask you, are you growing up to be more like Jesus? Are you maturing in Christ, or are you still a babe in Christ, in needing of spiritual milk and not spiritual meat? Paul takes the Colossians and us to a high and and lofty place there in chapter 1. Now chapter 2, the theme is alive in Christ. And Paul um, begins to warm up the letter uh, relationally by telling the Colossians, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. And and for those at Laodicea, which was a city just up the road, who, who probably got this letter as well, and for all who have not seen me face to face, As much as Paul soars rhetorically, he he warms it up relationally here, and he encourages them to be knit together in love as a church family. Uh, Then he applies the mystery of Christ to their daily walk with Jesus, and he says these words, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And after these warm greetings and some encouragement in their walk with Jesus, Paul returns to his concern about what threatens the church. And he says in chapter 2 and verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Uh, That phrase, uh, uh, take you captive, it's the idea of kidnapping your thoughts. Did you know that somebody wants to kidnap your thoughts? If they can get your thoughts and get you thinking differently about the Christ who is revealed in scriptures, then then they can lead you astray with their, their fake news. Paul's warning should make us think of what philosophies and human traditions uh, threaten the orthodoxy of the Christian faith today. What fake news are we hearing about Christ and Christianity today? I'm thinking about secular humanism, moral relativism, Darwinian evolution. Oh my, the devil has used that for years to get us you know, off balance with regard to the origins and, and, and our understanding of our origins. Sexual and gender revolutions like we're experiencing in our culture today. Even socialism and communism. Sure, forms of government, but their worldviews. Socialism, um, government becomes the God. And communism, they just remove God altogether. It's an atheistic worldview 
and form of government. All of these are philosophies and worldviews and human traditions. Paul says, don't let anybody take you captive by these things. Know your Bible. Know the Christ of the Bible. Know it well, and, and you won't be kidnapped in your thoughts and in your worldviews. The deep roots of our faith protect us against the kidnapping of our thoughts. And Paul goes deeper here uh, to include five realities that he expresses uh, quite eloquently here. You need to write fast here. I only have uh, time to summarize these. But he, he says here at the end of chapter 2 that believers are complete in Christ. That's verses 9 and 10. We're sanctified in Christ, verse 11. We are alive in Christ. Not dead anymore in our trespasses and sins, which he said to the Ephesians, but alive in Christ. Uh, you've been raised in Christ. Uh, that's verses 12 and 13. Verses 13 and 14, acquitted in Christ. It's like a legal uh, transaction has taken place. And your sins no longer condemn you, but you're acquitted in Christ. And then in verse 15, we're victorious in Christ. And then picking it up in verse 16 through 23, Paul argues that the real substance of our faith grows in community, a community that offers real conversations about real faith. He also suggests that the real substance of our faith is not found in rituals and rules, uh, but in a real relationship with Jesus Christ, which is something that um, legalism and, and mysticism and asceticism, that's a lot of isms there, but he touches upon those. Thanks for spending part of your busy Monday here with us at Something Good Radio, and it's always a blessing to have you join us. Now, if you missed part of Dr. Ron Jones' message from Colossians, or if you'd like to hear it again, just stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime to listen on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Hello friend, I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed Something Good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to Something Good which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. All of us need help to accomplish the will of God. And today, with your help, Something Good Radio will keep sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through these radio and internet broadcasts. When you partner with us, we'll send you a free copy of Ron Jode's full-length book, Mysteries of the Afterlife. 
exploring its amazing secrets. To join the 828 Club today, visit our new and improved website, somethinggoodradio.org. Just use the Partners tab at the top of the homepage. That's somethinggoodradio.org or call 757-276-1099. If you can't become a partner but would like to make a single donation to Something Good Radio today, go to somethinggoodradio.org and make the best gift you can. As our way of saying thanks, we'll give you a copy of a new ebook by Dr. Ron Jones that goes along with the series, Route 66, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. The seventh in his series of eight ebooks is based on the Pauline epistles. Request your ebook today when you make a gift to Something Good Radio. Make a donation online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. And in response to the fake news and the heresy and the false Christ that had been presented by uh, these so-called teachers in Colossae, Well, when they attacked Paul's savior and his friend in a way that threatened the viability of the church, Paul responded rhetorically, he responded theologically, he responded practically. And he reminds us that a clear view of Jesus Christ is always the right response to fake news about Jesus, to heresy. That's next time in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, Colossians, Jesus is greater than. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.